I'd say one of the two major heartbeats of Manchester is music, the other being football. It's such a pleasure to be a part of this and to be a part of such a, a you know, such a great community. I guess it's um, like a family base now, isn't it? It's just having that, I think, support and you can just see other people around you that need you as much as you need them. You know, the fitness side's a massive bonus. But yeah, I just, I just wanted to go and just make some new mates, and I have. They're all part of it because they've all come with what we're about and that whole ethos, which is, which is amazing. We have some truly unique participants here at Happy Sundays. And it's always a pleasure when they ask me to come on this podcast and showcase their own story and their own uniqueness about themselves. Our next guest on the podcast is Daniel Timmins. Now, Dan has been involved with Happy Sundays for around about six months or so now. And he was actually introduced to Happy Sundays by Hayden, who is, of course, our fitness instructor and leads our fitness classes for us. When Dan heard about a place he could come and be himself and be involved and play sports and not be judged for who he is or what he does, he jumped at a chance to be involved in it because Dan also has Asperger's and autism. And in the past, he has found it quite hard to fit in with social events and just being part of a team and a network, if you like. So this is Dan's story, very much in his own words. It's autism, Asperger's and me. Uh, Dan actually wrote the notes for this podcast himself. So it was a really, really easy record. It was really nice. And please do, you know, bear in mind that this is quite a big thing for Dan to sit down for this amount of time and to chat to me about his condition, and about how it affects him day to day. So I really do appreciate him coming on. I wanted to be part of this. As always, if you want to get involved either with a podcast, with sessions, with anything at all, check out our website, www.happysomedays.co.uk. Ping us a message on there. It'll reach our inbox and we can get you involved in sessions, social events, the podcast, anything at all that you want to be involved with. We're more than welcome to have you down. So once again, thank you to Dan Simmons. And this is his story. It's autism, Asperger's and me. Dan Simmons, welcome to the Happy Sundays podcast. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, yeah. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Good. Pleasure to be here and uh, tell my story, really. Yeah, well, this is it, because you've asked to do this. Um, you know, we put a call out for, for guests, and you were in touch with us, and, yeah, it was um, it was something that I really wanted to get, get sorted, really, because one thing that I've always said is, you know, I want to get people from within the network and who actually take part in Happy Sundays itself to tell their stories in the hope that it can help, you know, somebody else out there. So thank you very much for asking to do this. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Looking forward to it. One thing that you've done, which um, which is a bit unusual, is you have actually done the hard work for me. You've done a lot of the notes for me, uh, which is really good. So um, obviously we're going to work our way through them um, from your really yeah. life right the way through up to taking part in Happy Sundays. Now, one thing that I did learn about you today, which I didn't know before, Dan, is that you are a twin. I am, yes. Yes, i got a twin sister called Emma. Yeah, she's great. She's, yeah, really good person. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're quite, uh, I guess, close. Uh, we support each other. And, uh, yeah, she's she's a lot more, like, academic than me, I guess you could say. Uh, she went to university, whereas I didn't. But, yeah, no, she's, yeah, she's great. She's uh, I couldn't ask for a better sister, to be honest. Yeah, and one thing that you, one other thing that you told me as well is that you were actually born premature. Uh, you weighed one pound nine ounces. Uh, was that both of you? Uh, she weighed one pound twelve actually. Right. So, okay. Yeah, it was like yeah, just three pounds between us. You, when you say you were born prematurely, how how early were you? I think it was around four months premature. Oh wow. Um, yeah, which, you know, and due to that, it gave, uh, I think it gave us like a 5% uh, chance of actually surviving. That's, um, that's mad. So obviously, you know, the the uh, the, the nurses and doctors at um, Salford Royal, obviously, you know, did a good job, obviously, because I'm still here. So, um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, um, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things, really. Yeah. Uh, and I was still born in my sack, actually, as well, which, um, yeah, which kind of, I guess, is a, a rarity. Was your sister as well, then? Yeah, were you both like that? Uh, no, 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 she she came out, I guess. Um, I just, normally, I was always being the awkward one, kind <laughs> of to, uh, you know, make it a little bit harder for my mother. Wow. So. <laughs> 
So was there any like complications growing up due to you being so premature? Not, not really. Now, yeah, not really. I guess it was it, the like. I guess like the the kind of complications came like just after I was born. So like I um I actually had a hernia when I was um, born, and I had to go to all the hay to get that removed. Wow. Um, and I think that was like the only kind of like complications, uh, which like kind of really like I know about. Um, but yeah, I think I think like I said, it's just you know I think obviously yeah the hernia and um, the you know, obviously the survival rate was obviously quite low as well. Yeah. So I think how did how did all this like affect your parents at the time? Like, were they supported by family and friends? Did 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 they get support from the hospital? Like, I, I imagine having two small babies that were so premature it must be, must have been a, a pretty a worrying time in their lives. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, you know, they got help from my family and friends. Sorry, I'm from their family and friends. I do apologise because um, my my mother can't drive because she's um she's got a um a sight condition. Okay. Um. So, um, they were taking her to the hospital. And um, obviously, you know, my dad was taking to the hospital and my, and, like, my grandparents and stuff. And, you know, they were all kind of rallying around them and supporting them, yeah. really. So. Uh, so, obviously, we mentioned then that you are a twin. I've had another twin on this podcast, uh, Hayden, who I know we'll, we'll chat a little bit about later because you obviously know Hayden quite well. Yeah. And I asked him when, when we did this about the, the twin connection. They, they say that twins have this, like, unique bond that no one else really gets. Would you say that's true? No, not really. Okay. I think, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to disappoint you. Yeah, you crushed that bit, um, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is like, I guess it's different for like a different case for each twin, really, but I don't necessarily think like we have a, a kind of like a unique bond. I think it's just the same bond as any other brother and sister, you know, yeah. one day we love each other, next day we want to throttle each other. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think it's it's just that kind of relationship, really. Absolutely, yeah. And do you still live with your sister then? Yes, yeah, I yep. still live with my mum and stepdad um, and my sister. Yeah, yeah. not not managed to move out yet. No, it will come. It will come, on, and then that's when the stress begins. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so speaking of growing up, though, so um, so obviously you said you were born in Salford. You then moved to uh, Fellwall, which is in Warrington, mm. with your mum and dad. And then when you were a toddler, you said that you moved over to Lim. Now, do you have any memories of that at all of moving? Or do, is your earliest memory literally just being in Lim and being around Lim? Uh, yeah, but like, you know, my earliest memories, you know, um, around Lim and just kind of being in the Lim area. Yeah. Really. I don't like remember a lot about the wall. Um, I've heard stories about like the place like, where we were like, where we were from my mum and dad and um and like what it was like and stuff so and i have been like emma been there like in the past and just like kind yeah. of like driven down the road but just to see if any memories came back well <laughs> like it was just nothing it was like a blank canvas really nothing kind of came of it so uh yeah i don't really remember kind of like fell all that well but you know limb mm. you know I still live here now so obviously you know, i you know i've, I've got a lot of memories about them yeah absolutely and it's quite um it's quite a picturesque village um from when i've like been through it myself um so with that in mind is that like growing up did that make you quite an outdoorsy person yeah like yeah you know um i go for like walks around the dam and stuff with friends and uh, i do occasionally go into the village when i have to but yeah no i think you know i am a quite an outdoorsy person i like doing stuff but at the same time I'm quite happy to just kind of keep uh keep up inside and not really go out so I'm <laughs> a bit of a bit of both really I'm not I'm not really too trust one thing that you um one other thing that you put in the notes that you sent over to me was that um when you moved to Lim and when you were a toddler that's when your mum and dad's marriage unfortunately broke down um and your dad ended up mm. moving out when you were five years old so how did that if you can remember back to that time, how did that affect your life sort of day to day? With it then just being you, your mum, your sister. Do you have an, an older or younger sister at all, or is it just just the two of you? Uh, yeah, it's just the two of us. Um, and I, I don't think it really affected me 
that much yeah. when I was younger because I didn't really understand it, I guess. Exactly, yeah. I, yeah. You know, like, I guess I'm very, very lucky in the fact that he's always kind of lived down the road. I know how lucky I am in that aspect compared to other kind of, you know, people whose parents are divorced and the dad's gone off to, or, or the other mum's gone off to, you know, wherever. Mm. So I know I, I, I'm extremely, extremely lucky to be in the position that I am with that. Um, but, yeah, it didn't really affect me because I kind of, I think the way I saw it when I was younger to, to try and not let it affect me was, always oh, gone on holiday. <laughs> Which I know sounds like a really stupid thing, but at the time <laughs> I think that probably helped me out a lot. Yeah. I just kind of thought, oh, yeah, we just gone on holiday. But it's about creating yeah. those happy memories, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't necessarily have, like, I don't, I don't, I don't really have, like, remember the time when they were together yeah to be honest um i whereas like what is me and my mum and my sister i got a lot more memories of that and obviously then making memories with me and my sister and my dad as well separately so yeah i yeah i think just kind of like what it was was for i guess um yeah i haven't really got that many memories and i think that's kind of why it hasn't affected me as much mm, okay or like why i'm not necessarily affected by it because um it's it's kind of not like like the memories aren't there one other thing that you've sort of sent over to me and we're gonna now sort of chat to you about your, your pre-diagnosis of, of autism because that's exactly why you've sort of wanted to come on here you wanted to give a little bit of a um a little bit of a, a spotlight on on autism and asperger's as well because i know that's something that um that you have as well this is something that we have spoken about on previous podcasts and obviously we'll get on to that as well but you again in, in the notes that you very kindly sent over to me you said that primary school and secondary school failed you because they simply didn't yeah. recognize the signs of your autism however you did it says here that you did enjoy going to primary school so did you and your sister did you go to the same school or separate ones uh yeah we went to the same school uh primary school and high school uh Primary school, we were in the same classes. We were in, you know, same year, obviously. Um, so I think, I think in primary school, I think because I was, I was quite young. I, I think, like I didn't necessarily myself kind of recognise. I was, I, I guess, different. You could say, yeah. Because I think when you like you're, you're at such a young age, you know, everyone's in your head like kind of the same almost like in terms of like maturity and what you find funny when you're younger uh, yeah. and things like that um and yeah i think i think you know i you know i, I know we'll kind of touch on high school in a, a little bit but i think then going to high school to live high school it was a completely different kind of like experience for me yeah yeah because at that age, um, when you're in like primary school, a lot of a lot of the learning techniques focused on like play and social interaction. So, how was that for you? Because obviously, I know that I know that one of the sort of traits, if you like, of autism is struggling with social interaction and struggling with in them sort of situations. Was that something that you felt was happening at that age at all? I think as I kind of got older in primary school i noticed it a little bit yeah more um you know when i'm when i was five and six i was you know i i quite i you know like i had quite a lot of friends and stuff yeah um and then you know um then going up to like kind of year six yes uh yeah year five year six sorry primary school um obviously you know i kind of had less friends um <laughs> And I guess that was due to like my my lack of I guess social interaction, social skills. I guess you could say. Okay. Um, and then obviously that that then kind of carried on into high school as well. So, what age would you say that it was when you really sort of started thinking to yourself, like, I think there might be something going on here. Like, I'm not quite, you know, I'm not quite enjoying my experience as much as I should be. Um, I'd probably say that was when I kind of got to high school, to be honest. Okay. Uh, when I was about, I'd probably say about 13, 14. Right, okay. That's kind of when I started to realise, like, that people were growing up, like, and I wasn't, I guess you could say. Okay. Um, in terms of, like, maturity and things. 
Um, and I was, you know, at the time, definitely kind of like lacking on that sort of part of it. Um, I think, you know, through that, obviously, you know, that's where like the bullying came and stuff and like the name teasing and, you know, all that. And, but that, that kind of started in the, in the first year of high school and it carried on right up to last year of high school, you know, I never kind of managed to shake it off. Like, how did that happen? Why, what, what sort of things would, would they say? Like, cause obviously I, I know you, I, I don't see any reason why anyone will pick on you for anything and to be fair I don't, I don't see any reason why anyone will pick on anybody for any reason at all mm. but why was that happening Dan? I just I could I think I think the problem is in, in the first year of high school I think you know like it was a new like a new start for me I thought I guess like I think especially like in my generation I'm not sure it was the same for kind of like your generation growing up but like there was always like that that like oh yeah like you had to be popular right so, okay yeah to kind of make it in high school and um i tried to be popular and it backfired massively um and you know I, I used to get called names like doggles because um at the time my eyes were quite big compared to my face right. um, so i used to get called goggles i got oh, called wow. um the same this uh the uh i got called i think it was timmy um this the guy off South Park, I think. Oh, is. yeah, yeah. Um, wow. I got called, you know, tell me if I can't say these, but I got called Mong, I got called Retard, I got punched, kicked, got thrown out some stairs once. Wow. That was a bit of an experience. Um, and did teachers do anything you know, about this? It's one of, I, th I think, like, you tell them and they go, okay, we'll sort it. And they're like, yeah, get sorted. I think, I think the problem with, like back then is you know especially when you kind of have like you know we got a zero tolerance to bullying mm. but yet they do nothing about it so in my head it was like well just you know they're just saying that to look good mm. like and yeah i think you know sometimes they did try and do their best to help but obviously you know there's only so much they can do yeah like did having you know, your sister there was that Obviously, she was there to, to sort of lean on and everything. Did she ever, like, sort of stand up for you or sort of fight your corner with you? Yes and no. I think I think we had... She was in, like, different classes to me. She had a completely yeah. different friendship group to me. Uh, I, you know, I think it was either third or fourth year of high school, so year nine, year ten. And I remember this. I was thinking about this before. I remember, like, I had a whole year... Well, I had no friends. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I was literally just walking around, like, school, like, at lunchtimes and break times, like, by myself. And oh, like, right. I'd go to, like, this thing called Homework Club uh, just to kind of just, like, I guess, hide from everyone because, like, I didn't really want to, like, kind of, you know, and, um, yeah, like, even in classes, you know, I'd, I'd get picked on. The teachers would, you know, tell them to stop, but they never did. And, you know, it's just one of those things which, you know, unfortunately... It happened to me, but I think you know I've I've grown from it and I've learned a lot from yeah. it. Um, and it's I guess in later life, it's I guess I don't want to say it's a blessing in disguise, but no. I kind of think it's a little bit. It's been the making of you, would you say? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's it's kind of taught me to like kind of stand up for myself a bit more. And, yeah. I get I that. not take yeah. shit so easily. What do you think could have been done differently at the time in terms of you being and going through all the way through primary school and high school with undiagnosed autism and Asperger's? Do you think something could have been different? Do you think it could have been maybe diagnosed whilst you were there if, if something had been done differently at all? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think my mum was always kind of pushing, not pushing, sorry. Uh, my mum was always kind of, one, you know, she can tell all the signs were there. Yeah. Of my of, of my autism from a young age, and my auntie as well. Um, she's a head teacher of a high school, and uh, my cousin, obviously her son, is also severely autistic as well. Okay. Um, and he was diagnosed when he was young, and you know, my auntie said that she could see the signs, and my dad wasn't necessarily couldn't. I guess my my dad kind of always just 
I guess, shrugged it off right. with it. Like, he, he, he'd always kind of be like, oh, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with him. Like, he's fine. He, he never kind of believed it was it was there. And I think, I think, because I, you know, I, I am close to my dad. Yeah. I, but I think we've, we've also got a different views on a lot of things. And I think that's why we kind of bicker a lot. And like you a lot, even now, you know, we have our little bickers and stuff. Um, and yeah, I think, I think, you know, if I was diagnosed a lot earlier than I was, I think, you know, it would have been a completely different outcome. I think mm. I probably done a lot better in exams and in, in, in my GCSEs, for example, than I actually did. Yeah. I think a lot of things would have definitely been a lot different. Yeah. And I probably would have had a, a better school life yeah because you do see like with with some schools now where they will give children with like autism or dyslexia or other sort of like uh other other sort of like learning difficulties if you like uh extra time exams they'll give them extra time to complete assignments they'll have someone with sit with them and help them out but you're offered none of that so that i, I imagine would have been a great struggle for you yeah yeah well um i was separated from the exam hall i was in like a kind of like a room okay. with like six of people during my GCSEs. Well, I think that was it really. But I think right. that was because uh, because they kind of knew I got distracted easily. And again, I don't necessarily think the teachers kind of helped when I was in lessons. Um, yeah. There's a there's an example where I was in maths. Things like year nine, and I was getting distracted, and instead of like my teacher. At the time, my maths teacher, like, trying to help me, she just kicked me out of the classroom. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, which didn't really kind of help. And I got, in, like, a little bit of a stake, so I was just like, oh, crap, like, you know. And, yeah, I think, I think you know, like, you, you know, I think had I been diagnosed earlier, I think I'd, school probably would have done a lot more for me, yeah. to help me. A lot more enjoyable. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So away from school, outside of school, you uh, you also did scouting for eleven years, I believe. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what age did you start going to scouts then? Did you go like from being in clubs and then to Beavers and through to scouts? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I started when I was six, started in Beavers, wow. then went to clubs, and then went to scouts and. The thing with scouting is, it's it's great. Like I, I loved it. Um, so my dad was my scout leader. Oh wow! No way. And that's yeah, yeah. That's kind of how like how I kind of got a bit more involved in it. And I don't, I don't necessarily think it helped me. Well, I, I think it did to a point. But the problem was a lot of people in the scout group were also people who I went to school with. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it was like I, I just kind of like just couldn't seem to get away from it, <laughs> um, you know. No matter how hard I tried, it was yeah. always just kind of there, and you know these things happen. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I you know, I, you know, I learned some good things in scouting, and it definitely it did help me. hundred yeah. percent. Did you have to? Um, um, did you have to earn badges when you did your scouting then? Yes. Yeah. yeah you had to. Yeah, you had to get badges. Uh, I uh, yeah quite a few badges in a not not tying and things like that and, okay uh, so if ever we're yeah. stranded on a desert island or anything together i'll be like dan help us out here mate <laughs> i can only remember one dot oh <laughs> fair enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah from 11 years i can remember one knot <laughs> and that's the least knot. but you know what it could be the knot that saves your life you never know hey it could yeah never know never know <laughs> So in terms of earning the badges, how did you find that, considering there was, at the time, undiagnosed autism, Asperger's going on in the background? Did you find like certain situations um, quite hard? Because obviously, if you're in a scout hall, those scout halls are quite bright. You have other people in there, and there's yeah. a lot of activities and noise going on. So was a sensory overload going on at all? What, how were you sort of coping with it all? I think I cope so okay. I think I guess I don't necessarily I'm okay when it comes to things like lights and sounds and kind of a lot going on, like yeah. I'm all right with it. Okay. Normally. Um I think it was more like the the ones like like the public ones. I'm 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 not the best public speaker and I get terrified when I had to like 
go up and like like on a stage or something like by myself like i just i, yeah. just, I, I, I just can't can't like like my mind goes blank um and like when i'm put under pressure i'm, I'm really terrible uh, <laughs> you do doing well here though i'll say that much you do, you're doing well so far so yeah <laughs> i know yeah <laughs> i'm doing all right yeah um yeah i think you know it like i was actually okay in terms of earning badges um i did all right um and yeah i think i think i you know i got a fair few and yeah. you know i'm obviously like proud of what i did there and yeah but I think it was more the social side again where I just struggled. I mean, to stay for eleven years—that's quite a long time. Was there a reason why you left? Did you just be, grow out of it, become too old, or was there a reason why you decided to step away from it? Um, so obviously, after Scout says something called Explorers, which is sixteen to eighteen-year-olds. Okay. And I was there. I think I was about seventeen, and in the end, I just got a bit sick of it. Yeah. Like, I just wasn't enjoying it as much anymore. Um. And I, it, I think that, it, like at the time, I was thinking like this is just so repetitive, mm. and I just got a bit bored of it, and I left. And um, you know, it's I don't regret like the time I had there because I did have some good times. I made some good memories there, but yeah. you know, I think at the time I thought you know it's time to, you know, kind of just channel my thoughts somewhere else and yeah. Okay. Let's talk about your diagnosis now. So you, it says here that you were eventually diagnosed when you was 19. So you've gone all through early life with autism and Asperger's and you've got anxiety going on in the background as well, yet with no one really like properly identifying it, no, no one medically anyway. So at the age of 19, that's when you found diagnosed. So talk us through that, Dan. How did that come about? How did you eventually get an official diagnosis? Um, it came about again my mum you know she's been brilliant and you know she really kind of was like you know there's something you know different about you like mm. you know like let's get it sorted and you know, i went through like the whole test and everything and i remember when i got diagnosed um my mum actually cried really because, wow yeah but i think it was out more out of frustration because she's i, I don't she, she said like why is it took you know 15 years to get a diagnosis mm. you know like why is it took this like this long and like i remember when i came out and there were like i got like about 10 letters and leaflets from the doctors wow and it was like things that can't, we can kind of like help me like support groups and stuff okay and it's like it it just didn't really interest me I was just quite happy just kind of just carrying on as I was. I didn't necessarily feel the need to just have a sudden change and start going to these like workshops and stuff. It just, it just really just kind of did, I guess just, it just didn't appeal to me really. Yeah. I was quite happy just kind of figuring out on my own, I guess. Yeah. It's one of them, isn't it? Like different people cope with things in different ways. And you would thought, well, like, right, well, mm. you know. I'm going to sort of crack on here and just, just sort of get on with it. Did your diagnosis come as a bit of re relief, though? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I, I think for me, I think, like, it just explained a lot. Yes. Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, it just explained a lot about how I was and how I interacted with people and yeah. kind of, like, how my social skills were at the time because, yeah. like, they were, yeah, I, I think, I, like, I think now I'm quite a sociable person um you know i feel like i can talk to anyone um and i i think obviously with that comes confidence as well but um at the time i was very kind of low on self-confidence and i didn't really kind of speak to anyone you know and i think yeah that that did kind of like make me think okay well now it makes sense really yeah yeah i remember um I talked before about Daniel Lang coming onto the podcast, yeah. um, episode four, I believe he was. He, he came on for Autism Awareness Week uh, a couple of years back, and he said exactly the same. He said, you know, when I was diagnosed, a lot of things started to make sense then as to why I did things in a certain way. So 
yeah, I could see the, the, the sort of correlation between the, the two of you there. And obviously we've talked a little bit about autism on this podcast before with uh, with Daniel Lang. I have, to, I have to say your surname because you're Dan and he's Dan. <laughs> I have to differentiate between the two. But you've, uh, obviously Daniel Lang, he, he gave a very sort of good analysis of what it is, how we can affect someone. Um, but you've also have Asperger's. So tell us a little bit about what Asperger's is like how does it link in with the autism spectrum and how does that affect you day to day I think it's different for, for different people really. yeah. I don't think you know it's it's the same for everyone I think it is kind of different for different people so yeah. I think for me um kind of like what I I guess kind of have is like obsessions like I obsess a lot of the things uh very easily okay. and, um I take things like quite literally as well. Um, like sometimes I don't understand when someone's being sarcastic or whether they're joking or not. Okay. Um uh, yeah, I think it's just it's just little things really. I don't think there's um like big things, I think I just trying to you got me thinking now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw something that I saw something when I was doing a little bit of research before that said that um, with Asperger's, there's a desire for sameness uh, and that people with it struggle to adapt to change. So you've gone through a lot of change, even up to the age of 19, you've gone through a lot of changes with your mum and dad splitting up. You moved home a couple of times early on in life. Uh, you had a little bit of a, a rubbish time at school. Do you think subconsciously this was all like affecting you at that stage? Yeah, definitely. I think it was, but I don't think I realised that makes sense. Yeah. I think to me like it was just kind of there i just kind of like deal with it the best i could because you know um i just yeah i just kind of had to deal with it really and just kind of just carry on as normal yeah really and you said before that obviously you were you were told about like support groups and that sort of thing but were you offered anything on a one-to-one basis like therapy or or cbt anything like that at all um i don't think so no but um, I've always like kind of had a like a speech impediment as well. Okay, um, that's part of it, I though, was, isn't it? Like, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I saw be before what it said about common um, traits. Um, it said about like common traits. It said that some people can experience speech difficulties. So I don't know whether that whether that would have been part of it or not. I think it might have been. I remember when I was about six seven or eight sorry like it was really bad in like i couldn't go one word about kind of stuttering or stammering okay i ended up going to see a speech therapist right and that definitely helps and like even now i think when i get a, a bit worked up it starts to kind of come out a bit more mm. or like um but yeah it's it's very very rare that happens nowadays i'm quite i'm quite chilled out now so <laughs> You said before about, um, very briefly, about sensory experiences. Um, obviously, Daniel Lang in his podcast talks mm. about lighting, certain foods, certain sounds being quite difficult to deal with. You said that you're relatively okay with that side of it, but is there anything that you do find has a bit of an effect in yourself? Not really, no. I think no. I'm, I'm like, I, yeah, I just think I'm like, I just kind of just deal with it really, I guess. Um, and just like, yeah, I don't really think there's anything which necessarily affects me kind of like really bad. I think, I think in terms of like when I've got like something planned, for example, and like it changes, it kind of like annoys me a little bit, like frustrates me because like I just kind of want to just go and like do the thing I want to do. Yeah. Um, apart from that, I don't. I think, yeah, there's not really a lot else which kind of affects me. One thing that you did sort of mention to me in, in the notes that you sent over to me very kindly was about um, anxiety. You said that you've you've got you have quite bad anxiety, but you have to deal with it. And and you said you wanted to sort of detail how it comes about. When did you realise that you know it was sort of creeping in, and how have you learnt to cope with this anxiety over the years? Um, so I think it's always kind of been there, like subconsciously. Yeah. Um, but I don't really think it, I think it really came into effect in my later years. 
Christmas when uh, I was in full-time work. Okay. Um, and I think, I remember at the time I was working in an office and my granddad was in hospital. Um, and I remember it really well because I remember I, I, I was kind of just, just, just trying to cope with work and everything. And yeah. My granddad, unfortunately, um, passed away. Right. Wow. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it's difficult you know, to lose a family member, um, especially when, you know, you're considering, like, your best friend. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Wow. It was, you know, it was extremely difficult at the time. I remember I just started a new job where I was at. Uh, I'm at now, sorry. I just started there, and my granddad passed away. I think I just kind of just didn't know, like, what to do with myself. Yeah. Like, I was, like, my head was just kind of all over the place. Um and I remember I went to go and see a doctor about it, and I just can't. I just broke down in front of the doctor. Yeah. And just said like, you know, what can you do for me? And um, they put me on antidepressants for a bit, and I was on them for I think six months. And and then I chose to stop taking them. Um, that was like my own choice. Hmm. Um, I've not them since but i think in that time i've got a lot better as well um in terms of like being able to just kind of like manage it and just just like not i think the problem with anxiety is i think with anxiety comes overthinking yeah. as well yeah and i'm i'm a terrible overthinker at the best of times so when i'm in like full anxiety mode i'm an absolute like like just a mess and i think the problem i think when i ever think things i think about the worst kind of Thing that could happen right okay yeah got you but then that's but then that's playing in my head constantly so i'm not helping myself because it's just constantly always there and i've definitely managed to channel that now 100 mm. percent um so yeah i'm a i'm definitely a lot better uh coping with it yeah um, well, that's good to hear and, yeah yeah you know like, you know the anxiety is still there you know it's never really gonna go away but yeah yeah, it's just again, you know, it's just one of those things I've just learned to kind of just deal with. Very briefly mentioned about working there. So you said it again and you noticed that you very kindly sent me that you got your first full time job when you were nineteen. So was this before, during or after your diagnosis that you got this full time job? So this was during Okay. Uh, I guess the diagnosis. Yeah, it was during the diagnosis and I got I remember I'd take a day off work and I made up some excuse like from building a shed or something. And um, that's when I got, obviously, went to doctors and got diagnosed with autism. And at the time, I was actually looking to leave the job. Hmm. Um, and I didn't really tell them, because I, I, I didn't necessarily feel the point in telling them. Yeah. Um, whereas when I moved to my next job, I did tell them, and they, they were quite good about it. So you so you never told them that you were in, in the first job you never told them about your diagnosis, but when you moved on you said, Look, this is this is what I've got and this is what's going on. How how did they react yeah, to that? They were brilliant about it. They really, really were. Um I remember they sent out an email to uh everyone in the office and just to let them like aware and then you know, I had a lot of kind of messages off people saying, you know, like just supporting me really and yeah. just you know making sure i was okay and that like that job was really really good to me and the people were great and the company's great you know I've was this the was this the digital marketing job was it yes yes yeah. it's from the northern quarter yeah because yeah. yeah. you said that you um you're running some social media pages for motorsport events which is pretty big really when you think about it yeah yeah it was and you know i was i was doing okay at it and um it had some help obviously but you know I, I was doing okay with it and i think that's when i thought oh you know i could do this as a job yeah but i think i think i think that was a little bit naive of me i guess because i went into that job thinking it would just be sticking stuff on facebook and twitter and yeah that being the end of it, I didn't realise there was so much else, I think. Yeah, there's a lot to it, isn't there? Yeah. Was, yeah, I think unfortunately that was my downfall, really. That was kind of where I um, you know, ultimately ended up getting sacked um, because I think I just couldn't kind of cope with 
everything coming up to me at what like uh, coming at me at once, yeah. and I just couldn't like register process it quickly and register it quickly. Just found yourself a little bit overwhelmed then, really. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like I said, you know, like they tried to help the best they could, but I think obviously there's only a, a certain amount of help they can give me before they say, you know, you need to do it yourself now. Um, but you know, like I said, you know, I've got nothing bad to say again about against anyone at the company or, or yeah. the company itself. You know, it's a great company to work for, and the people are absolutely fantastic. And you know, they did try to help me, and you know, I'm still in contact with some of them now, actually. Um, and you know, like they are a fantastic group of people. They did try to help me the best, like you know, that they could. But yeah, ultimately in the day, I didn't necessarily help myself either. So you're working within warehousing now, I believe. Do does everybody in the warehouse do they know about about your diagnosis? No, no. Um, it is on my CV, um, but like only like the managers really know. Yeah. Um, because of I guess where I kind of like work in the warehouse, I'm I'm kind of away from the floor. Okay. I'm sort of like in like a room with like two other people. Mm. So I'm not necessarily in the midst of it. I'm just yeah. sort of just doing a bit of data entry. Absolutely. Hours. So the people who need to know, know. Yes. Yeah. yeah basically, yeah. yeah. It seems like, I mean, it seems to me when, when you've chatted outside of, of this podcast record, when we've just sort of been, been chatting about like work and everything, it seems that you've found your crowd with that job and your skill set. So how, how do you find it? with your autism though like obviously i know you said that the lights and the sensory stuff doesn't really bother you but is the bits of it that that you do find difficult day to day or is it something that you really sort of you know seem to have found your strength in if you like yeah i have seen to found my strength and i'm you know i'm very very lucky to have done that um i think occasionally when something is just suddenly kind of changed for example like there's like something like a, like a like a just kind of like a change in something that will be I'll be like okay like it will affect me because I'm so used to sort of just yeah doing something one way and if it changes it it, it it does just kind of like a mess with my head so that goes back to the sameness thing then really don't see it what I said before about uh people with Asperger's liking sameness does that would you say that goes that harks back to that a little bit yeah definitely yeah, yeah. 100%, yeah. but you sort of see that um when something does change how do you how do you sort of build yourself up to, to deal with that then? I just kind of, I just, again, I just kind of get on with it really. Yeah. I think that's like the best thing for me to do. I can't really kind of have someone sit there with me for eight hours a day trying to go through it with me. I think Yeah. I, I tend to pick thing like that kind of thing up like quite quickly because I know I'll be doing it over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm quite lucky in the fact that I'm, I can just kind of pick it up quite quickly, really. Yeah, which is good, you know, if you can pick something up very quickly and sort of focus on it and get it done, uh, I suppose, in, in you know, in, in, in time, that will eventually make you a better worker, would you say? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah? 100%, yeah. Yeah, because you moved up to management role, did you? Yes, I did. Yeah, and that was uh, that was it was great to start off with, but I think, I think again, that's where like I think my social skills had improved then. Yeah, but I don't think they had improved enough. Right. Okay. For me to to be like management. Yeah. And you know there are a couple of things sort of going on in the background, um, like meetings with HR and stuff. And um, that's why I decided to try and get out of that warehouse. Mm. And the company I worked for um, was uh, the Hook Group. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. They were yeah, they were yeah, very so famously good. based in Withinshaw at one point. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So um, I worked for them, and I ended up moving to the offices. Right. I thought, you know what, it'll be best start. And again, I just kind of just again just 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 drowned in that environment because everything was changing so quickly all the time. It was right. just like, yeah. oh, you need to do this, 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 this. And my brain was just like, whoa, I can't cope with it. And right. that's ultimately when I ended up moving to where I am now in Fujitsu. Uh, that's a company I work for at the moment who aren't exactly the player of the month at the moment. But, uh, They're not. No, there's been a know. certain ITV drama <laughs> focusing on that, hasn't there? Yeah. I know, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm a lot happier in work now. And I think I'm quite lucky that I'm just sort of allowed to just get on with it. Yeah. You know, I don't have anyone kind of breathing down my neck all the time. Um, it's like today, actually, when I was working, I, you know, like my manager didn't come up to me. I literally saw him as I was leaving <laughs> to go home. Um, so I, I, I think that's like the, the benefit is like I don't have anyone breathing down my neck. I can just kind yeah. of just get on with what I need to do. Yeah, which is um, which is good. Yeah, stress about it. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's good that you sort of seem a lot happier in work now because obviously you know being in one place and ended up being sat that can really sort of damage someone's confidence. It certainly will for myself. It will for a lot of people listening. I would imagine, uh, but the fact that you're able to find something that you're good at and build your confidence up again that's a really pleasing thing to hear and i think a lot of people will take something from that dan so thank you for sharing that okay no worries let's talk about your involvement with happy sundays now shall we uh your love of football your love of sport so we've already mentioned about motorsport is that something that you've got a real passion about yeah yeah i absolutely love it um you know formula one uh rallying um NASCAR. I've actually been watching a little bit of NASCAR recently, which isn't as good as people make it out to be. It's just people driving in circles. It's a bit boring, <laughs> actually. It's it's just not as good as people make it out to be. It's just, yeah, it's just full of people eating steak and shooting guns when they win. It's a bit, yeah, <laughs> it's not for me. It's not for me, personally. It's not as much. I'm, I'm going to continue watching. But, uh, yeah, no sport. You know, I grew up with it through my dad and, you know, my heroes kind of growing up as well as football as were you know motorsport drivers rally drivers you know right. like colin mccray and you know, michael schumacher mm. and you know kind of growing up with them as heroes and you know having kind of you know like pictures of them on my wall at home when i was a kid you know yeah. wanting to be the next colin mccray you know um <laughs> so yeah have you ever given it a go yourself have you ever gone like to a to a course and had a go at, at doing a bit of motorsport yourself uh, at all no no because i tend to kind of crash on the roads oh that's so not good <laughs> god knows what i'll be like on a rally car <laughs> oh wow <laughs> i know you can get a like controlled environments but yeah if you're gonna be crashing it i suppose it'd be a bit like hold on a minute <laughs> we need to just chill out a bit here yeah yeah well i've actually got a um a voucher i want a prize to do a uh, to do like a rally day oh no way so i'm hoping to book that soon yeah, oh yeah uh, that was uh through marshalling uh through going on one of the events and um so hoping get that sorted and yeah, not crash. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm sure you'll be absolutely fine. I'm sure, you know, let us know how you get on with that. I'm sure you'll really enjoy it. Football, now, oh, I'm going to have to say the L word, and the L word is usually banned on this podcast, Dan, but you're a Liverpool fan, aren't you? I am. I'm yeah. in the minority of one. <laughs> some days. Uh, no, there's a couple, actually. There's, there is a couple. There is a couple. They oh, are amongst us. Oh. Yeah. They are amongst us. You'll have to seek oh, them out. Favorite. Yeah, but they are amongst us, unfortunately. <laughs> Where have they been hiding? <laughs> yeah, well, th there you go. That, that that is the million dollar question, isn't it? Where have they been hiding? Uh, you should be, you should be out no, there, like uh, you know, you should be out there uh, buzzing because at the end of the day, you're top of the league in a minute, playing very well. <laughs> playing very, very well, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's nice to see, you know, back where we belong. Um, oh, come off it, man. You know, like so, Arsenal had dropped points. Um, I know City dropped points against Wolves, didn't they? Yep. And, I know you lot aren't exactly the most consistent team at the moment, which is nice to see. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's nice to it's nice to you know back back where you belong, and uh, hopefully we can win it again in May. So how did not COVID this time? Well, yeah. Well, if no one was there to see it be lifted, did it really count? You know, if a, if a tree That's falls in the, the woods. That's all on the telly, that counts. If a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, did it really fall? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but how old were you when you became a Liverpool fan? Because I know that you, you said that it was um, when your mum met your stepdad, you had that shared interest of football. So was it through him that you became a Liverpool yeah, fan? I guess, yeah, kind of. I guess you could say, I guess, um, that's. I mean, yeah, my dad's a United fan. Oh, wow. <laughs> So he, yeah, so he, yeah, he, he's welcome then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, um, yeah, it just kind of, just, just, just kind of happened, really. I don't right. know, it just like it was never like a plan to to piss him off or anything. It just, <laughs> you know, it just, it just, it, 
you know, they're just kind of off them, really. So, and uh, I yeah. find it's you know, I've lived through. I find it's one of them when you live in Warrington. You know, you you sort of right in the middle or towards Warrington, where I should say you're sort of in the middle, really, aren't you? Between Manchester and Liverpool, so you've either, you're either going to be Liverpool, Everton, or United City. So you're going to go either way, really. Yeah. I, I think so. You know, you, you obviously chose the uh, the Liverpool path there. I couldn't imagine being an Everton fan. Dear God. <laughs> uh, but no, like I say, you know, you're currently at the top of the league. City asked no surprise packages. The Aston Villa breathing down your net. Do you uh, honestly yeah. think they'll stay there? I, I think if they keep performing the way they are, I think they've got a very, very good chance. Yeah. Obviously what missing Mo Salah at the minute. He's away at AFCON. So do you think that yeah. you might miss him if he, end up, if he ends up missing a few games? No, I'll be fine. We've got good players. You know, we've we we got a strong bench. You know, we've got a good Portuguese player, unlike you lot, with uh, <laughs> Fernandez. Uh, you know, we've got Jota, we got, you know, uh, Diaz as well. I think we've got a very strong team. Um, obviously, Arnold's kind of moving up to more, more, more towards that midfield yeah. kind of position, um, even though he is injured at the moment. But, um, yeah, I think it's... it's it's been a weird season, hasn't it? I think so far. Yeah, definitely. You know, I yeah. think you know, Chelsea are Chelsea. God knows what's happening to them. Yeah, they've uh, surprised me a lot. Them, I thought they'd do a lot better than they have, especially with Poch. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, you know, I'm, I'm again. I know. Uh, I think it's going to be a close one. Yeah, I, definitely. Yeah, I think that Villa will definitely be up there. 100%. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to see them. Yeah, I'd like to see them stay there. Yeah, definitely. I'd have seen that. I would have been nice. I'd have seen that you've been to uh, a fair few games this season. So, are you a season ticket holder, or do you just go like when you can? Uh, no, I'm a season ticket holder. Yeah. Okay. I'm a season ticket holder. How have you had that? Ooh, four or five years now. Ah, okay. Right. Been, uh, been some good games. Went to um, the seven nil thrashing of United last season. That was. Probably one of the best days of my life, which says a lot about my social life. I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> I'm editing this part out. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, you know, I go, you know, whether, you know, we're playing big clubs like, you know, your Arsenal or, you know, your small clubs like, you know, your Everton and your Tottenham. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, it's nice to watch us, you know, play. And, uh, you know, yeah, the atmosphere is always good. And what about your own involvement with football then? So, like, growing up, were you involved in teams before now? Were you part of the school team or a, a, a grassroots team? Um, I always, best way to describe my sort of sporting ability is I'm a trier. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I'm any good. Um, so, like, you know, I always, like, you know, tried to play for the school team but never got picked. Yeah. Uh, like Sunday league teams, but never got to the team. I tried playing tennis. I tried playing cricket. <laughs> there's a there's a list. There's a yeah. list somewhere. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. That's, that's probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> but one one place where you have got um, a little bit about you, if you like, uh, where you sort of built up your confidence and built up your abilities is in the gym because um, I know that obviously I mentioned Hayden at the start of the podcast uh, I know that's where you met Hayden you met him at the gym uh, and you signed up with him as your trainer I believe yeah that's correct yeah yeah um, I've been going to the gym for I think like three years at that point and okay. I wasn't making like the progress I wanted to see and um, I wanted to do like a little bit of boxing as well, just to kind of like keep my cardio going. Because like I love boxing, I love like the whole kind of discipline of it, and like yeah, like like the mentality some of the people have is just mental. And I remember it really well. I was looking on like the PT board, and there were two names there, and one of them was Hayden. And right. I ended up messaging them both actually. Um. And, you know, it was Hayden who got back to me first. So, okay. you know, he, he would never open his message. Things have been a bit different. But, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, he's he's great. He's, you know, he's he's such a a good person to kind of, like, have. Yeah. Like, like uh, to be around as well. And I think, as well as my training, he was, like, my counsellor as well. <laughs> like, I'd go in there, like, out, like, like, two hours a week, I'd just, just you know, everything that was kind of like going on, I'd just spill on him. Yeah. Um, you know, 
you know, I mean, I kind of pity him now thinking about it a little bit, <laughs> having to endure that for two hours a week. But, you know, um, he definitely helped me kind of get my confidence back up and... yeah. You know, I think I think that kind of showed like at the Christmas party, like the uh, the Christmas social we had. I think I would have never, like, even six months ago, I would have never gone up to like, you know, like a stranger and spoke to him. Yeah. Like I think you know, whereas now I like I can talk to anyone. I think as well as that, he's like I'm I'm talking about my problems. Like if I got something going on. Yeah which is affecting me, I'll talk about it. Whereas like, I never used to. I was very good at just bottling it up and letting it brew and brew and brew until I just kind of just self-implanted, you know. So I think, yeah, you know, having Hayden as a PT was, you know, it's, it's great. And you inevitably get talking about football um, when you're at this session. Um, so when did Hayden sort of mention about Happy Sundays and, you know, obviously, if you've said to him, I wouldn't mind playing, what, has, has he, he's then obviously said to you, oh, you know, there's this thing that I'm involved in, it's called Happy Sundays, maybe you should come down and give it a go. What was that like when he was when he told you about all that for the first time then? So, I remember when he first, when I said to him, well, you know, like, I want to try and get him playing football again, and he said, you know, well, you know, like, come down to Happy Sundays, you know, you'll enjoy it. I, kind of, I remember the time, like, the first time he told me about it, like, I thought he was just saying it to be nice. Right. Um, I didn't think he actually kind of, like, <laughs> wanted me to kind of be there. Um, and the next time I saw him, was like, you know, like, where were you? And I was like, oh, okay. So, I, you know, I went down and I obviously, you know, really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah. you know, you've been stuck with me since, really, haven't you? So. Well, that's what we're here for at the end of the day, you know. Pete, we're here, yeah, we're here to yeah, get the word out. Definitely. Yeah, invite more people down. The more people know about us, the more it's going to help people. That that's what we're there for at the end of the day. And oh, you know, yeah, definitely. Definitely. yeah. yeah um, I guess I'm very. I, I guess you know, I'm I'm very lucky that it's such a an amazing group of people. You know, and you know, I I, I think the best way to describe it to people is 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 like a little family. Yeah, yeah. We've I had think, people yeah, say that, that before. Best yeah. Way to describe it. Absolutely. You know, like, like everyone's there for everyone, you know, everyone looks out for each other. You know, I think it's such a, a, a nice environment to be in. It's, you know, it's such a welcoming environment to be in. You know, like I was talking, you know, like the Christmas socials, and I was talking to people that I never met. And, you know, and that was all through, you know, this. And, you know, I, you know, became friends with people who I sort of never met as well, you know. And it, yeah, it's yeah, it's nice. It's you know, it's such a, I guess like rewarding, as well. I think you know, with like you know, everything that we do, it's it's nice to know that we're doing our bit to help the community. As Absolutely, well. yeah, yeah. And you, you know, you you yourself personally, you've really got involved with us since your first session. You know, like you said, then you know, you've been to events, uh, you've signed up for some friendlies that we have. Um, you even helped us out with the social side of things as well on uh, on social media. Uh, you done a little bit of photography for us as well. So how nice is it for you to be able to come somewhere where you are accepted and you can be involved and, you know, no one really cares about anything else that you've got going on. It's just like you're here to play and be involved and we'll just take you at face value. How nice is that? Yeah, it's great. It, it It's definitely, I think because I was, I've never been used to it. Mm. before i think it's it's, it's not that i've ever had to, like is it like you know i've like i've never had kind of like so many i guess like people who like me for me yeah and i think that's the best thing like you know especially the last few years i've never tried to be someone who i'm not i've always just been myself yeah and yeah. you know and i think that's kind of help me integrate it's just you know just being myself and you know i think it's just you know it's good that you know i'm kind of being praised for my for the good things rather than being called out for bad things absolutely um yeah which again you know is, is something completely new to me and you know now i'm still trying to get used to it a little bit well listen dan look 
I want you to carry on being yourself and being unapologetically yourself. I want you to carry on, you know, you do you and you keep on coming to the sessions and you keep on enjoying it. Because as I've said, it's exactly what we're here for at the end of the day, for people to come along and to really enjoy it. Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's not been too too difficult for you. No, it's been great. Thank you for having me on. I've really, really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm really glad that you were able to come on and give yourself a platform and chat about, you know, autism and Asperger's and your experiences of it. Um, if people want to find out more about the condition, you, whereabouts can they go? What sort of places could you point them to? Well, you've got the National uh, Autistic Society yep. um, and the NHS website as well. Yeah. Um, and that beautiful search engine called Google. Will <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, put them in the in the right direction. And you know, if anyone's got any questions, um, you know, I'm more than happy to answer them as well. Brilliant. Excellent. I was gonna say that if people are right to, to you know to come and ask any questions that they may have about it, is that all right? Yeah, of course. Yep. Absolutely fine, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Well listen, Dan, thank you so much as I say for coming on and give yourself a platform and hopefully this will help some other people out there that either live with autism and Asperger's or are living with people who have it or know someone who has it. Hopefully this will help them out a hell of a lot. So thank yeah. you so much for being part of Happy Sundays and being part of this podcast and I will see you around soon, mate. See you around soon. Thanks for having me on again. Really enjoyed it.